Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is revolutionizing freight forwarding using technology with my friend Lionel Vanderwalt. Lionel is the chief growth officer at a company called Raft AI. That's R-A-F-T dot A-I. And what they've done is they've created an intelligent logistics platform that works with your TMS to orchestrate, automate, and streamline data processing, transactions, approvals, and workflows across the entire shipment lifecycle. We've seen a lot of great technology and over the road, which is great. We appreciate it. But we've been lacking in probably the hardest part of transportation, which is the freight forwarding. Not anymore. Lionel and his team have created something really great. So check out my interview with Lionel. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Port X Logistics. Port X Logistics is an asset-based transportation company, and they specialize in containerized freight. So if you're having trouble moving your cargo out of the port, very common problem, then reach out to my friends over at Port X Logistics, and their website is portxlogistics.com. They're experienced, and they offer service at every single port and every single rail ramp in the United States and Canada. They have a, an approach that is guided by their four pillars, which is culture, service, tech, and trucks. Again, check them out over at portxlogistics.com. So how's it going, Lionel? Great, Joe. Glad to be here with you. I'm excited to talk to you about this. So I've not done a topic like this exactly. It's a little different. So Lionel, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Excellent. Thank you, Joe. So it's Lionel Vanderwalt. I'm the Chief Growth Officer at Raft. And Raft is intelligent uh, automation and logistics platform. And basically what we are doing is we using tech to automate processes for freight forwarders across the whole freight journey. Yep. And when you say Raft, I, I say Raft. So it's R-R-A-F-T dot A-I, right? Correct. So where are you calling from today? So I'm based out of Tunbridge Wells in Kent in the United Kingdom. My office is in London, which is about a 50-minute train ride away. Very nice. Very nice. So we were talking a little bit about your background before we hit record. That is not a New York accent. And I guess it's not even a London accent. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined RAF. Yeah. So I was born and, and lived and grew up in South Africa, hence, hence the strange accent. Uh, I always tell people when they ask me, where does your accent come from? That it's from North Carolina, because I spent so many years in North Carolina, which, which uh, obviously doesn't quite compute. But uh, grew up in South Africa, and then I uh, spent most of my career on the aviation side. Had the opportunity to join the International Air Transport Association, which then catapulted my career onto the international stage. Ended up moving into Europe, living in Spain, and from there uh, transitioned into the United States. So I am a United States citizen, despite the strange South African accent, and uh, recently moved across to London in October when I joined Rock. Well, yeah, you keep that passport updated. I've told you before we hit record, my sister's husband, my brother-in-law, they live close to me. He's from South Africa. And I've always heard people say, yeah, people from South Africa, for some reason you have all these, and I know you're Dutch ancestry, 
but you have British accents. And then somebody, some, a friend of mine who was English said, no, those are more British accents than British people. So we don't have that accent. They have, they've outdone us in our own accent. Yeah. That, that, and it's, and it's actually very interesting because in South Africa, you get two English accents when people speak, right? It's if you've got, you grew up in the British system and the English schooling, it sounds slightly different to somebody who grew up on the Afrikaans side. Right. Well, it's funny because my brother-in-law, his parents left Europe after World War II and they were in, they're from Italy. So he learned Italian first and then English second. And yet he has this thick accent. But then when I've heard him speak Italian, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> anyway, so when and why did you join Raft? So I joined Draft in October of last year, and, and I had an unexpected emergency in the family uh, in, about a year and a half ago where our oldest daughter got diagnosed with a brain tumor. So I was working at Paycargo at the time and decided to step down and just spend time looking after my daughter and pulling her through something that was obviously a very traumatic experience for her and the family. And as she recovered and came out of her surgery, I started looking around, started looking for the next challenge and had a number of opportunities that came up, very good opportunities. And out of the blue, I had Scott, who heads up the people division at Vector AI then, now Raft, calling me and telling me a bit about the company. And I was blown away. I just had this recipe of an incredible product that's needed in the industry that can transform the way business is done in a meaningful way and, a, and an amazing group of individuals that's driving that change. So it became a no-brainer for me. I, I jumped on the wagon, as they said, and uh, headed off to the UK and uh, here I am today. Excellent, excellent. So it's, it's interesting as the world kind of moves forward with AI. You see companies like yours that have .ai instead of .com. I don't know what they call yeah, it. The, the URL. Yeah. yeah, the URL. And it's interesting. I can say this for myself as I've, I, I did not grow up in this digital world, but I've jumped in with both feet. And I feel like it's, um, if you're not, if you let's just say you work at a company that's not doing it, I can feel like it, it could probably feel like the whole world is moving to the next level and I'm kind of behind. So I'm, I imagine Fran felt that same way where you're like, yeah, okay, I'm do, we're doing great things, but this is where the world is going. So it's just the fact that it's called Vector AI and now Raft AI, it probably felt like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Get upgrade. But before we hit record, we were messing around with the title. And again, we came up with revolutionizing freight forwarding using tech, but we are using chat GPT to do it. And it's amazing. I just keep asking. And I know if I don't get a good title from that, it's not because they don't know what it, chat GPT always knows. It's because I'm not asking right. And it occurs to me that this is how crazy our world is becoming is that I have to learn how to communicate with rat, with chat GPT and it's just begun. I mean, it's just begun. So I know you guys use a lot of AI and what you're doing. We'll get to that in a minute. So who are your customers? Who are the, and then let's talk after you tell me who your customers are, tell me what problems you solve for them. Sure. So our customers, we mainly focused on working with and serving freight forwarders and customs brokers. And what we do for them is, is quite simple, but complex at the same time, right? So we basically helping them automate their processes so that they can become more efficient. And we're doing that across the whole shipment life cycle, meaning that it covers anything from finance operations, sales, 
customs, and then also forward-looking serving their shippers, shipper partners with visibility, emissions tracking, etc. So that, because you said sales, accounting, <laughs> other things like that, this isn't a transportation management system, is it? No, absolutely not. No, we work with transportation management systems and our goal is in actual fact to complement and enhance transportation management systems. So definitely not trying to be a TMS or competing with them. Uh, I think if you if you look at what we're doing, there's, there's sort of three or four fundamental aspects. First one being is, and it's the foundational aspect, is getting data from an unstructured format. When I say unstructured, it's basically data that's on a paper document or PDF or whatever, getting that into a digital format that is usable. And there's a lot of that in freight forwarding, isn't there? Just a little. <laughs> if you think about all the paper that's out there, yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible that we got such an outdated, you know, industry in that sense. So we get that data out, but having data is one thing, you know, it's, it's what you do with the data is where you get the real value. So we then doing the integrations into the TMSs so that you can now take that structured data, that the digital data, and you can start tying it into the systems of our clients and then building automation workflows behind that to optimize processes for them. And then on top of that, you you obviously now got data that you can get visibility aspects on it that can, you know, help you to manage your internal teams better, but also to understand what's happening with your clients better and optimizing your business. Yep. I have dealt with this before and I've said this to you before we hit record. I always feel like when you see a PDF or even a Word document, Excel document, whatever's attached to an email or added to a system, it is not usable data. I cannot gain insights from it unless I print it out. And I could have hundreds or thousands or millions of those documents. And they do, they serve a purpose, but they are never going to help me get the insights that I can get from stuff that's in a field. So moving that from, as you called it, unstructured into a field is super important. And I will say, I call it going from static to dynamic. And I call it that because it, when it's static, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything for you. When it's dynamic, it's now it's part of the party. It's going to give me insights when I pair it up with all the other information I have. So super important in this business because I remember when I was um, receiving stuff from overseas, it would be a lot of times in Chinese and then somebody would somebody would write it in Chinese and then someone would write right underneath it in English, kind of translating it for us. And <laughs> it was not always easy to figure out, here's the uh, paperwork that came with this container. <laughs> it took as much time to figure out the paperwork as it did to figure out what came in the container. Yeah, and if you think about that paperwork, you know, over and above having these different languages on there, the papers get handled in all different ways, right? So by the time somebody scans it in and sends it to you in whichever format, it could be a crumpled piece of paper with smudge marks on it. So really, really difficult to make sense of and, and to uh, have somebody sitting there trying to extract that data manually and put that into systems becomes a really tedious time consuming process. And if you think about the number of documents, we were talking about that, right, this this industry, if you look at, you know, packing lists and, uh, you know, all these sort of documents that come with shipments, oh, yeah. could literally be hundreds of, pay, of pages there with numerous lines on it, right? 
commercial invoices, etc. So it's 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 something where we, you know, we I always say we 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 look at our business as not replacing people, but it's human in the loop technology, meaning that you need a you need a human interface working with the technology to make to optimize it and to make it really work well. So that's one of the, I think, one of the fears that people have there when you hear AI. A lot of people are running for the yields, right? And they, you know, is, is this going to replace jobs? Is it fundamentally going to take away everything that I've built up over my life and my career? And it's not the case. It's, it's really there to support people so they can focus now on more meaningful tasks versus, you know, just doing these mundane manual tasks. And, and one of our clients framed it very well. They said, they said to us, you know, I really want to use my people for their brains and not for their fingers typing. Right. Well, when I came to this space, I will say 2008, 2009, it was very automated. I said, this was the land where all the clerks went. And I told you a story that I'd seen many times where people go, well, we have one shipper that sends us a fax every morning and we take that fax and then we type it in. And then later on, we updated and we said, hey, they're going to email me that document. And then we take that out and type it into our TMS. All sorts of data entry. And uh, that's not only it. So when you say we're, we don't want to replace people, trust me, those people aren't missing going to miss that job. They're, they're going to get a better job somewhere else in the organization. That is not, uh, is not stuff you tell your friends at the cocktail party is, oh, my God, it was such a good time today. I learned so much for my job having such an impact, <laughs> transcribing stuff into a system. But let's get back to the overall. So if I have a TMS and I have an ERP and I might have a WMS and I have emails, I have all these systems that are all connected that I use. And you guys, am I right to say you're the overlay that connects so I don't end up with all sorts of siloed information? Absolutely. I think you're spot on with that description, Joe. So what we're doing there is over and above the fact that we're tying into these different systems and we're bringing all this information into one central platform where you can get that visibility in one place. We also tie in the other systems that companies are using. So we see ourselves as neutral and agnostic. And we basically say, if you've got visibility providers you're using, and some companies are using multiple, right? They're using one for ocean, they're using another one for air, another one for ground. So you've got these disparate siloed systems and it's very difficult to bring all that information, tie it together to really understand the business in a holistic manner. And we sort of integrate all of those systems also into our business, into, into our platform, sorry, and that then enables the, you know, the companies to get that uh, centralized view and holistic view of their operations so once again we're not trying to compete with those guys we're not we're not trying to take their roles over we're just trying to complement and enhance all of what they're doing through our system so that our clients can get the best experience possible and i think that's one of the strengths of our company is that we're so open and collaborative with all these other players to benefit stakeholders in the industry yeah and i think the software i've said this before on my podcast but i think it's bears repeating is 20 years ago, if I was to create a transportation management system, I would have seven or eight functions that I would want to be really good at. And I would never talk about connecting to anything other than an ERP or maybe a warehouse management system, an order management system. I would look upstream. I would look downstream. Well, now people developing software, and I'll use Turvo or Kai, there's a lot, all the newer softwares. And even the older softwares are doing the same. 
they look at themselves as a framework. They still do those seven or eight functions. But when somebody says, I would like to use a visibility solution, or I would like to use the dynamic pricing from, you know, green screens, or I want to use like one of these carrier watch things. They say, yep, we'll plug that in via API. And they don't look at that as a threat. They look and say, this, we're the framework. We're no longer just the function. We are in addition to the function. We also are letting you connect to the next killer app. And by the way, one of my sponsors is tomorrow IO and they are their weather and climate app. I feel like everybody's going to have this soon. And it's relatively new. They get their own satellites now. They are better at weather than everybody else. And on top of that, theirs is recognizes that I'm not in one city. I'm driving from one city to another city or going across the ocean. All these apps pop up and you could buy your TMS. And what you don't want to do is I bought my TMS and I'm locked in for the next seven years and I can't have the following, right? Exactly. (laughs) And we need the ability to be able to say, I want a platform that allows me to bring all my siloed information, all my disparate systems together where I can get maximum impact. Absolutely. And and then there's another aspect on that. I think one of the biggest challenges in organizations now as, uh, as they grow out is communications internally, right? So having this coordination and, and communications internally that's so disparate also using emails and Slack and, and WhatsApp and all these different systems. So part of our solution is to basically integrate those aspects into the platform so that you don't even have to leave the platform. So you've got, you've got all your, your visibility, you've got everything that you need, having that holistic view, but now you can also coordinate internally with your teams uh, across the whole organization globally in one place and have, keep the records and, and the audit trails within one platform that really makes it easy for you, which is, is a huge problem right now. If you speak to any freight forwarder coordinating internally, it's, it's, it gets very, very complex very quickly. Now, is that take, so if I send my email, I send it to you, does it automatically end it, put it into the system, or do I have to, uh, do we have to communicate within the system? So there's there's two things here. You can, and we have got clients that we work with where we're pulling information from emails into the system and pulling the data out of those communications and using it then for their processes. But fundamentally, what I'm talking about here is you don't have to use Word anymore. You don't have to use Google Mail. You can actually have all that functionality within our platform. You don't have to use WhatsApp or Slack. You can actually communicate in that same format through the platform. So it actually replaces those. I used to say when I was still managing freight that we had the system of record, right? And we had the record where I'd say, this was what I agreed the price was, $800. And then separately from that, I have an email that says, hey, Lionel, big problem. This happened, this happened, this happened. Now it's going to be $1,000. And you and you write back, sure, no problem. Hopefully that's what you do. <laughs> and then later on, when my person goes to bill your person and they go, oh, it's 800 bucks. They, that was outside the system. I don't know what that was, right? Now, if my person was good, they hopefully added it in as a record. But you might have left or your accounting person says, I don't know, we're quoted 800 bucks, $800. Why is it now a thousand? Well, Joe sent an email to Lionel and he agreed. Well, where's that? Lionel quit his system. We don't even have his emails anymore. We ha- And that's 200 bucks. There's When we start dealing with customs 
and over the over the ocean shipping <laughs> things get very very complicated <laughs> very very quickly <laughs> and i don't i i actually had a vice president of logistics say to me probably three, four, five years ago, he said to me, and he, he manages $100 million worth of shipping through his th third-party logistics company. He said, Joe, how much longer are we going to have emails? Like, and I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, it's it's outside the system. And I was like, yeah, you need some at least some rules around it, but even better, have it all inside. Absolutely. And then all those order trails that you refer to there is in the system. It's it's recorded. You can tie it into your processes, all the data that's within those emails and communications. So the power of having it on the inside versus on the outside is phenomenal. And I don't even think a lot of people really think about that and understand the benefits of being able to change that sort of worldview where you change the perspective to inside. Yes, and I'll but what we're talking about now is, and we before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about sustainability. It's coming very quickly. It's in Europe first, but we're gonna. It's hitting here. These are new things that we have to comply to, and it's not just sustainability. We are no in the United States aren't allowed to do business with certain regions of China that have Uyghur slave labor. We're not allowed to. By the way, I was working with a shipper who global, right? And they had a lot of parts that people who wanted to do bad things wanted their stuff. So they would always try and buy their stuff. And they would they might be in the Middle East and then try and buy it from someone in Mexico. And these the, managing all of that was crazy. So they'd say, why is this guy in the Middle East buying from our Colombian office? Because he was turned down in the Middle East. And it's just beginning. We are starting to see more and more of this sustainability as part of it, the federal regulations that we all have as part of it, but there are much more coming. We, I said it before, we are in a compliance culture. And that that wasn't true. When you and I started working, Lionel, if somebody said compliance, you're like, that's somebody else's job. I don't care. <laughs> not anymore. Absolutely, not anymore. And uh, I think... One of the one of the concerns I have within the industry right now is that you've got these new regulations. It's the European Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive that's already started. It's come out. It's there. It's going to be in place from 20, 2024 onwards to be reported in 2025. And what that does, it's really increasing the scope of what needs to be reported in the in the European region. And if I can use the example, you've got your financial reporting, right, which is very regulated. And then you've got your auditors that come on top of that. And they have to audit and make sure that you're in compliance. And then they're, they're making sure that everybody's aligned. So they're taking those same standards, the same sort of framework, and putting it on sustainability. But that also includes scope three. So why is this important? Because this is for European companies, listed companies. It's, it's important because what's going to happen here is you're going to have the Nestle's of the world, these large ship shippers, they're going to be forced to comply with these new regulations, which includes scope three, meaning any sort of uh, sustainability that goes along with their supply chains. They even say, if you're a small forwarder or broker in the US or anywhere around the globe, and you just got one client in Europe that falls within the category of clients that have to comply. Let's say Nestle, you've got this one big account. 
Nestle is going to come knocking on your door within the 2024 and say, listen, I need information in a certain format that needs to be verifiable that I can then report in a certain format through to the European regulators. And this is going to take everybody by surprise. They, I think there's very few companies that are paying attention to this and, and it's going to cause quite a bit of heartache and pain for companies because getting the right data in place and in the format that you need is not an easy task. Right. So I'm going to give my layman's view of what I think scope three is. And if you know more, please, please add to it. But I think what scope three is saying, if, if I'm providing a product, I have to be able to say, I have to be able to explain my supply chain and it, all of its externalities, pollution, whatever. Right. So I'm an automotive guy. Originally we have the automotive companies, then we have tier one suppliers, which would be the Magnas, Johnson Controls, TRW, huge companies all by themselves. And then they have tier two suppliers. And those are very often billion dollar companies. And those tier twos work with some tier threes. And those tier threes work with literally tier fours and fives. And when somebody says, tell me, tell me the impact you've had on the environment, you go, oh, that's easy. I'll give it to you right here. Well, it's easy for your company because you're Ford Motor Company or General Motors, but it's not easy. And even easy for Magna, maybe for their tier twos, but you don't go very far down before somebody says, what? I don't do any of that. I make brackets for you guys. That's it. <laughs> right? And we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. And by the way, not just scope three, I want you to also touch on this is right now we're not allowed to ship certain things to Russia there are all sorts of places that we're not allowed to ship to. And it's, is these are uh, the government gets involved and you do not want to go astray on these things because potentially there's legal problems, but beyond that, there's reputation issues that happen, right? You don't want to be the one who doesn't understand the rules and breaks them. Absolutely. And that can destroy a company very quickly without, you know, you even thinking about or, or trying to do something that's wrong. Just by not being aware, you know, you, you step onto a landmine and that's not going to be an excuse. Nobody's going to forgive you for that. I think public perception is going to be very tough in these cases. So people really need to make sure that they've got their houses in order. And that's where Raft comes in, for example, where we are helping specifically focused on our freight forwarding custom brokers partners, helping them to understand what data is needed, helping them to structure that data. We then partner with the companies that are doing the, the emissions calculations. One of the companies we partnered with is Pledge. And then we put the data in a structured way for Pledge so Pledge can do the calculations. And then the other aspect that's really important is how do you get that data now in an electronic format that's required by the European government to be able to report it back to them or for your shippers in a format that they need to report or even just for your clients, right? Because I think there's a lot of people out there now or companies that are saying, I only, I only want to work with a company that's responsible and sustainable. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's because corporate has said we are, we are, we have a sustainability goal and we, we're not just going to talk about it, but some of this is going to come down from the government itself. And 80% of the greenhouse gases come from the supply chain. So we are going to either do it ourselves or our, our, our friendly government's going to stop by and ask us to comply to rules that they have. But I feel like there's another aspect to this is we go through customs with in freight forwarding because we're shipping something from one country to another. 
that is a, a paperwork heavy situation also. Now, can you help us with that? Absolutely. Customs is one of the key parts of our service offering. And, and we do a lot working with different custom brokers or forwarders that have got that function in-house. Once again, basically, fundamentally taking the data out of all these paper documents that we're talking about and then getting the right information in the right format and then putting it across so that you can build out a customs declaration using you know technology like NetCHP that you're tying into because they're going they're going electronic in a lot of cases right yes they are so and and that's where the big movement is and uh, we we worked uh, and, and we've actually you know we go to a lot of events speaking about these sort of things trying to educate the industry on what is possible here and uh, I'll give a shout out to Megan, who's the EVP there at the National Custom Brokers and Freight Forwarders Association in, in the US. And, and they've been doing a great job also helping us to get this information out to, to the various, their, their various members and the stakeholders in the industry so that we can really transform the industry and move things forward. Yep. Yep. It's, it's gotten very, it's, the world is going, the world is going uh, electronic and I feel like the government is finally catching up, but I know before long, and that's going to be the requirement. They're not going to take paper. I don't know when that's going to happen, but what's interesting about that is freight forwarding has been, and for good reason, one of the last to go digital because if we're talking about over the road transportation, we're talking about a shipper, a receiver, a trucking company, maybe a freight broker. When you talk about freight forwarding, you're talking about somebody shipping something from the United States. There's a trucking company involved. It's got to go to a port. There's all that port paperwork. There's customs people. It goes over the ocean. So we get the ship, the truck, or the shipping company, get the trucking company and customs on the other side. There's dozens of people involved in some cases and they speak different languages they're so, in different time zones and they work for different companies and sometimes they work for the government not an easy workflow and that's why sometimes when you say oh yeah it's only 30, 20 some days on the ocean but it took 45 days to get here why is that or <laughs> absolutely and it, it's i think this is one of the challenges we face in the industry and why it's taken so long to your point is it's just so complex convoluted and and you have all these different entities that we're working with I, I will tell you this i'm optimistic because i think especially with COVID, COVID played a big part in driving you know companies to to look at projects to digitalize what what they're doing boards are paying a lot more attention to this and i think we're going to get there as an industry uh, i think it's accelerating and if you look at all the technology companies that are out there now and who are also starting to work with each other versus just trying to be silos and compete. I think that's that's the only way we're all going to be able to really make this this happen is by collaborating, coming together, partnering to drive this change. It's not easy, but but I'm 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 optimistic. I think we're starting to see a lot of those changes coming into place. Yep. So I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions is a nearshore offshore service provider, and they provide a range of services, including operations, technology, marketing, sales, and business process outsourcing. They work with over 500 U.S. transportation and logistics companies. And what they have is this model where they have satellite offices down in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. And their, their approach is real low cost, low risk, low hassle. They have 9,000 employees 
now. They're one of the fastest growing companies in America. And again, everybody I know seems to be working with them. But if you're not working with them, check them out. Lean Group, L-E-A-N group.com. And by the way, my podcast is edited by someone from Lean Lean Solutions Group. They're a fantastic company. I just did an interview with Ryan Mann. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check them out. So Lionel, we've talked about a lot of different things. I think it would make it a little easier if we could kind of go through, I'll say a case study, but make it hypothetical so you don't have to talk about any of your customers. <laughs> so if let's just say a freight forwarder heard you on my podcast today and they said, Lionel, all that good stuff you said, I want it. How does this start? And then talk about some of the value they get from something like this. I think for each and every freight forwarder or customs broker, it's slightly different, right? So what you need to do is you really need to think about, you know, where is your company at? If you are a company that's really, really starting from scratch and you've got a workforce that's, you know, not really open to change and you know it's going to be a difficult transition for you then, you know, it's like eating an elephant, right? How do you do that? It's sort of like, a, you know, bite by bite. So you well, need to I'm not to from take... Africa. I don't eat elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there, right? <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, you, you basically have to set up a project and, and do it in, in sort of stages that's, that's you know, uh, that's, that's going to be appropriate for your teams to be able to make it palatable for them. Where if, on the other hand, if you're in a company that's already sort of really tech focused and you've got a fast moving dynamic team, then you can move a lot quicker and, and do a bit more of an aggressive rollout. The the big thing here also is, uh, you know, just to start, you know, get to understand the technologies, you know, come to our website, have a look at that, you know, call us, speak to us and get to know what these technologies are. There's There's a lot of misconceptions about AI, ML, and these technologies and, and what they're trying to do and, and how they will impact staff, how they will impact companies. And I think what we're seeing in the industry now is a huge acceleration. Once people feel it and they see the benefits, and, and, and just to give you one key benefit, that you know, once, as I said previously, it's not really about getting rid of employees and headcount. But if you look at where we are as an industry today, we've got a really, really, really tight industry. You know, you know everything has gone a, a bit south in terms of revenue for a lot of the companies, et cetera. So what we can help them with is really looking at expansion without increasing headcount, making it more optimal. It's also, you know, helping, especially on the customs broker side, you know, helping people to focus more on compliance and regulations, which are becoming a lot more onerous versus people sitting there having to do all this manual data entry, getting overloaded. And by the time they have to start doing the compliance stuff, they already spend four or five hours working, just getting tired and, and, and they, they're not focused on the regulations. So it's, I, I think there's a lot that we can do for them there, but it's, it's really just take that first step, understand your company, and then reach out and start asking so, a good question. So when they do start with you, what's the first step you guys do? Do you meet with them and say, you do like some sort of current state assessment and say, here's what we're going to try and do? Yeah. Traditionally, what we would do is we'll speak to the companies to really understand their business. What are the challenges that they're facing? What are the pain points that they have? Obviously, with all the work we're doing with other freight forwarders and custom brokers, we can then complement that with what we're seeing in the industry. And then from there, the first stage is really to, once we've assessed what, what the gaps are and what the pain points are, put a plan together to say, you know, how, how can we solve those? 
get a project plan and then look at how do we do an implementation for them that's meaningful and can be rolled out uh, to address their key concerns. So how long does it usually take from first time you meet with them to the time that they're, you know, seeing a lot of value from it? You know, it depends from company to company. If you're looking from to the, you know, the small, medium to large freight forwarders, it could be anything from, I would say, 35 to about 70 days. If you're looking at the big, large mammoth freight forwarders, you know, the, the DHLs of the world, etc., you must probably be looking at, uh, you know, potentially, you know, like a good four or five uh, months that you can run a project. But it's, I would say on average, you're looking at a, at about 70 days or less yep. that you can run. This. And so right away, you're helping them figure out what is the workflow with all these systems that you have. And then you're able helping them right away, kind of change those PDFs and put them push things to fields and it wouldn't be pushing it into your fields. It might be taking a PDF and putting it back into the transportation management system they use. Exactly. So, I mean, as I mentioned previously, I think the key thing is number one, getting that data out of the PDFs and Excel. So that's a big part of the value. Yeah, that's a big part of the value. But then the greatest value is getting that integrated into their systems and automating workflows and processes where you get the greatest value add and then the visibility on top of that. Yep. I went to Manifest in February out in Vegas, loved it. And I met with a lot of shippers and I sat on a panel with some other shippers and these were very large companies. And one of the things that, you know, I I do my podcast, I talk about technology and I, and sometimes I think we who are, I'll say at the top end of this are feeling like, Oh, this is just all on rails. This is all working really well because we have the systems. People I was sitting on the stage with were very large shippers. And I heard them say manual more than once. <laughs> we do this and then then we, we're still having to do this manually. We still have to make this phone call. We still have to. And, and I was like, huh, those are the largest shippers. And we're talking mostly domestic. So I know there's a ton of opportunity to take people out of these day-to-day data entry jobs, move them into focused on compliance, focused on uh, looking at the data and making recommendations to customers based on those insights rather than data entry all day. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and what you're doing is you're moving from data entry to improved customer service and as you said, the compliance side and really optimizing a business versus losing all that time doing something of low value, right? From what I know, you're, you're helping them get out of that day-to-day data entry. You're also helping them get the customs paperwork created and submitted. You're also helping them with capturing all this scope three compliance stuff that they're going to have to do. And I think we're going to have to do it here too before long. And you're also going to take all these manual tasks away. And I, hopefully now I'd have a platform so I don't have all these siloed information. Cause one of the things um, I think I've said to you before uh, we hit record is if I imagine that silo of information. I, I make a recommendation based on what I see, but my information is not the same as yours. We might work in the same organization, but your data tells you one thing. My data tells me something very different. We got to get all that data in one, one, I hear people say pane of glass, but it's, it's helpful if we can get it all working together rather than all siloed. Absolutely. And, and that's why we consider ourselves and we've got the tagline of being the intelligent logistics platform for the industry, right? 
at solving exactly that problem. Yeah. And same with the, you know, we talk about the visibility. I need visibility across my whole organization, not just in one system. So we also, uh, I know you also do some stuff with the finance people. What are you doing with finance and accounting? So what we're doing for the, the finance and account, accounting side, there's numerous different areas. So one of the areas is accounts payable that we do. And if I can give you a very practical example there, if you look at the traditional way of things working is you've got the, the accounts payable person, they've got an accrual in their TMS for that, a quote for some service. They then receive down the line an invoice to be paid. They then have to get that paper document or whichever format they receive it, do the manual data entry, once they've done that, they then have to check if it matches with their accrual. If it matches with their accrual, it goes through an approval process and then it can go out for payment. If it doesn't match, they then have to start searching out who was the job costing owner internally within the organization to be able to understand what happened. Was there something that changed in the service that was provided? And one of the biggest challenges they have is identifying that job costing owner. If the accounting person is sitting in Ireland and the job costing owner is in Australia, wherever, they don't know them. They need to try and identify them and it becomes something that takes minutes, hours or even days. With our system, once you're using the platform, we extract that data off the, 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 the PDF document, call it that. We then tie it into the TMS. If there's a match, you get something that we call straight through processing. Nobody even looks at it, nobody touches it, and it goes through for payment. And, and, and it literally can take seconds. If there is a mismatch, it comes back to the accounts payable person, but at the same time it comes back, we pull who the job costing owner is out of the TMS and reflect that. So now they've saved all their time, they don't have to go look for that person. And then over and above that, they can communicate to that person through our platform, as I mentioned. So they can they can text them, they can send a message to them, they can allocate the task to them. The job costing owner immediately can address it. Once they've addressed it and uh, AP, the accounts payable person, agrees, it goes through the same loop again and you have the straight-through processing that happens. So it really streamlines that. And then on top of that, we've tied in the payment service providers that you have in the industry. So now all of a sudden you have the straight-through processing plus the payment that can be automated through the system. I love that. I love that. So it fl- so there could be hundreds, thousands of transactions. It's just going to flag the the ones that have a discrepancy. But I also think, you know, if everybody's using the system, I can go to that record and say, oh, yeah, here's where Lionel did agree to an additional cost, as opposed to, well, let's check the emails, right? Because I remember doing that. I, I used to say this to my team when I was at a logistics company. I would say, call and tell Lionel it's going to cost an extra hundred bucks. Calls. And he says, yes, okay. And then always say, and I will follow up with an email. And they would follow up with an email, hopefully. And I would say, always copy our accounting team, copy me. And then, and then I would also say, and then make sure that gets up, make sure you reflect your email in that system. Now on a busy day, when things are happening, do those steps always happen? No, <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> that's that's why AI is here to replace us, everybody, because we're unreliable. AI won't drop the ball like we will. <laughs> well, I, you know, from my perspective on this, I, I just think it really helps people to become more effective in their jobs yes. and it makes the world more meaningful. Right? Well, we've all had that that thing where you go, okay, I called Lionel. Now I have to now I have to send the email, and if I'm doing the job right, I'm going to go and update the the system. 
not like we can't do that, but it's so much easier if I say, hey, we're, we're in the system and I'm, we're, we're all on the same page and he's seeing what I'm seeing. It's not like we're in different, you know, different worlds. And that's somewhat what we do. We live in our own little silo and our customers live in a silo and the next function over lives in its own silo. And it's, it prevents the collaboration that we need to do our jobs. And, you know, we love email, nothing wrong with email, but <laughs> it's not structured enough for the business that we're in. It's, it does most of the things, but we've all been in that stupid position where you say, oh, I've, I know I sent Lionel something. When did I send that to him? June? Going back to June in my emails, right? And then I'm typing your name and do I not have his name correctly? That's no way to run a business. And it won't work once we start talking about compliance. Yeah. Now imagine a world, which is what we're talking about here with Raft, where every time you've done a check on something or you allocated that task from AP to the job costing owner, it's timestamped. It's got all the information in every communication is timestamped. You don't even have to think about this anymore. You can pull a report and it will show you each of those steps that took place when, so you have a very clear order trail. That's the world we're living now with this technology. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, who's your sweet spot? Who's who's picking this up the most right now? So when we're looking at our clients, as I said, you know, as custom brokers and, and freight forwarders, um, I really find our sweet spot to be, you know, the small to medium guys. And when I say small to medium, I'm saying something like, you know, somebody doing about 12,000 shipments a year to the large freight forwarders who are doing about 100,000 shipments a year. However, in saying that, we, we are working with, with a, number of the top a number of the top 25 that are out there around the globe. Oh, wow. Yep, the, the, the large mammoths, as we call them, who are really getting huge value out of, of the, the, the technology. Yeah, by the way, guys, and maybe you've listened to my other podcast, but one of the things that kind of surprised me, I talked to Maersk not so long ago, and these companies are spending on technology in a way that they never did in the past. I mean, we, I think we looked at them as these big old behemoths that were stuck it 20 years out of date. No, not so anymore. They spent a lot of that money they made during COVID on tech. And these companies are have caught up. I mean, for a long time, it felt like domestic transportation was behind. The biggest and best companies in that space have caught up tech-wise. And, you know, before we hit record, we're talking about Flexport. I think, well, whatever you might think about Flexport, they kind of had a new paradigm, which was, hey, we can have really good technology for free forwarding. And they're not like they want every client out there, but I think people who are in, in need of free forwarding looked and said, interesting, what can you do for me? Right, <laughs> And if they're looking at their existing freight forwarder and saying, you know, I kind of had a little flirtation with Flexport. Can you do that for me? You don't want to say, no, no, no. The, the, having all of this old fashioned is exactly what you need. <laughs> That's not going to work. No, it's not. And But the fortunate thing is that we actually seeing a lot of the companies are prioritizing this. I think the boards are putting pressure on them to, do, to get the, the digitalization of their processes done. And then the smaller companies also also surprising me because a lot of these companies uh, are realizing that in order to be competitive, they have to start using these newer technologies. And it's and it's a way for them that really benefits them to be able to scale and do things that they never could do previously. They cannot afford to do the technology of Flexport, right? 
but using companies that, that provide technology, technology services like us, that's really possible. Right. And you know, it's interesting. Somebody used the term on my podcast one time, they said consumer grade technology. And you're old enough, Lionel, and I'm old enough to have worked in old tech where it was green screens and black screens with green things. You would have to hit control F to get to the price screen. Ridiculous. And it wasn't intuitive. The interface wasn't good. No one wanted to work in those systems. But then after we went home and we started seeing technology on our laptop or our tablet or our phones that is intuitive, easy, streamlined, we, we go to work and say, that's what I want. So what, when you have younger people who go to work and they're in their 20s and 30s, they they grew up with the internet. Their expectations is, I don't, I, you, I don't know anything about this business, but I know technology should be doing something much better than this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on that point, one of the things that I'm very, very optimistic about is, you know, we've always struggled to attract talent to our industry. I think these new technologies are really going to change that and play a fundamental part in bringing in uh, new young people that are going to be excited to work in this industry because they're going to be able to play with these toys that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think what we've had, and this is not a complaint, it's just kind of an observation, is if you're a supply chain person, you might look at the world as from order to cash. From the time I get the order till the time I get paid, that's 13 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever it is. But I want that to get tighter, right? I want it to be 10 weeks, five weeks. I want that to be faster. That's what you do. We've had all these siloed systems. We've had lack of systems in some place where we're using PDFs and fax machines and old-fashioned technology that we have to submit to customs. But it looks as if the whole order to cash is all getting streamlined. This challenge is we still have technical silos. This is where you guys come in and say, we're the overlay. We're the ones who helps you go from order to cash in one pane of glass, one view. And that's that's what we need. Yeah, agreed 100%. You couldn't, you, I couldn't you, have said you, it. You have to agree. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I really appreciate you being on my podcast. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team give me. But um, before you go, I wanted to ask you a few other things. I want you to recommend someone for my podcast. I like to interview smart, interesting people like you who are killing it in the space. Who else should I talk to? You know, there's a lot of people out there that come to mind that I think are doing great things. But there's one guy who really stands out, and, and his name is Steve Towns. He's the CEO of ACL Airshop and Ranger Aerospace. Ranger um, Aerospace. Wow. <laughs> And and Steve is an ex-ranger, so hence Ooh. Ranger Aerospace. But Steve Steve is an outstanding guy, and you know he's he's a mentor for me. I've learned a lot from Steve. And, and one of the things that stood out for me when I when I early on when I met him was his title is he's a chief executive officer, CEO, and he reframed that and said that his title actually stands for chief encouragement officer. I have a good friend of mine, Steve Elwell, who calls himself that too, and. I like that. I like that because um, so often we think of, you know, when you see the CEO, you're like, oh, this this person doesn't ever make mistakes. They are there to uh, judge me. They are there to lay down the law. And if you go, oh, no, I'm here to encourage you. I want to help. You. I want you to win. I want you to be successful. Love exactly. That. And, and Steve is a really dynamic guy. So he's ex-West Point. 
But more importantly, what he's doing now is over and above his own company, he gives so much of his time for the industry. And he's, he's the chairman on, on a council that's driving, I believe, logistics across the South Carolina state. He was also played a fundamental role in bringing logistics into schools in South Carolina so, oh, we can, so we can grow out our industry. I think you'll have a wonderful conversation. And he's such an, an amazing guy. Yeah, and my observation is you're never ex-West Point. You are West Point to the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> and, you see, and, and you'll see that in his management style and everything he says. Excellent. So what conferences will we see you at? So we will be, um, the next conference I'm going to be at is next week at Neutral Air Partners annual meetup, and that's going to be in Greece. Nice. Yeah, that's very nice. And then, uh, unfortunately, we're going to be working versus being able to enjoy the location. And then uh, the next the next one after that's going to be multimodal, which is one of the big uh, conferences in the UK in Birmingham. Now, I know you're a, the nature of freight forwarding. You have to be on multiple continents. Where are you guys based? Are you guys, is everybody remote or do you have an office somewhere? Now, head office is in London. We've also got an office that we've established in Chicago and we've got team members across the globe. So in the US, we've got various team members. Europe, we're in Amsterdam. We've got team members in Spain, in England. And then uh, we've got team members in Singapore, in India. Oh, so wow. it's, it's a pretty large organization and we're busy hiring people in Australia right now. So it's 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 really growing rapidly. I'm very excited about the future for the company. Well, excellent. I, I, I know why, because again, this is something we all need. This feels like there's an evolution just happening, maybe the revolution as we called the title, but this just the, the need. I think there, as soon as you look at the uh, a technology lacking, we all see it now. But I think as 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 the older people age out of the business and the younger people coming behind them said, I grew up with tech. I expect it everywhere I go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let, let me tell you this. It's, it's, it's what's been an interesting experience for me at Raft is I'm most probably one of the older guys there, which you know, it feels it's always like, a shock, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's like yesterday that I was the young guy on the block, right? But uh, we've, we've got such a dynamic team. And, and I have to do a shout out here for James Coombs and Nassog Meta, the two co-founders of the organization. Nassog is one of the most incredible people I've met, one of the smartest people I've met. He's 27 years old, and he's the founder of, uh, of this, uh, one of the co-founders of this organization. He's our chief technical officer. Really got the brain, once again, don't laugh at me, brain of an elephant. So he has the <laughs> he's coming up. And then James is just this absolute visionary. It's, it's what James has brought together with this vision of putting this, the, the logistics platform together that we can do all these things you know, it's, I think, absolutely incredible. And he's a driving force for where we're going in the future. I think there's a lot more coming. Obviously, I can't talk too much about some of these things. But uh, it's a really exciting time. And it's uh, for me, it's just such an honor to be able to work with these guys. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I really enjoyed interviewing you. It's uh, there's, This is a technology I've not heard of. I talked to a lot of people. And after a while, I go, oh, yep, I know what you do. I it's And it felt like for like six months, maybe a year, everyone said, oh, I want to talk to you about visibility. I said, we can't all talk about visibility all day. We have to do other stuff. We have to move freight still. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, that's not a complaint because, I mean, that was a great upgrade for our industry. But I guess my point is this is something that I have not heard of and it's much needed. And I, I think sometimes I, I hear of all these different platforms, but... Those, when I hear platform, what I always hear is 
integration. <laughs> That's the, the old integration that used to take 10 weeks. We don't have to do that anymore. We have platforms that connect us to all the tech we need. Exactly. So I love it. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you, Blanel. Joe, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.